All right, so we're here for episode two. I've got a whole pile of people. Not that many people. Um, nobody showed up tonight. <laughs> Nick called out because he's in the bed. He's late. Abby, Abby's over there with her brand new Shaco shirt on. Casey's making skeddy. Casey's probably got some skeddy going at the house with Jess. Can't say that. Oh my goodness. Uh, Not the skeddy. Right. So everybody's Who's down. Who's against that, bro? But I thought it would be kind of fun to sit around and talk with some of our student staff about mission trips that they've been on. Um, primarily, I think everybody has been to Ecuador. Um, Julio and I, which Julio's here with us, Julio's been um, to Haiti, he and I together. Um, so we've been on a few different places and trips, and Shaco takes different mission trips to lots of different places over the years, some local and some international. Um, so I thought it'd be kind of cool before we dive off into some of the silly stories that we have from mission trips to just talk about why you go on a mission trip. So I want to hear some perspective of why I actually even go on the mission trip, especially for people out there like, I don't know, Chase, which is with us, who's not been on one of our mission trips, to maybe kind of inform Chase of like, this is why we do it, and this is the expected results from it. So maybe we'll gain some insight and, and help some people make decisions to take some trips with us. Um, so who wants to go first? What's, what's your motivation for taking a mission trip? You want, you want to go for it? You want me to go first? You got it. I'll go. You want me to go? Yeah. Uh, you got it. I'll go. You got it. Okay, I'll go. Let so, go. I would say, um, for me, I've never been on a long-term mission trip. Uh, I guess you would say, like, I've been for a week-long uh, week long mission trips uh, locally and just to Ecuador. I've only ever been to Ecuador. Um, but in that uh, context of a week-long mission trip, I would say you kind of give your... You give your week, and so uh, you just give your week to whatever, um, like we went to El Refugio in, in Ecuador. You just give your week to that camp and what God's doing there. But uh, in that, you know, I kind of learned just in the couple times I've been, uh, that when you get there, you don't think about anything back home. You're just serving uh, their staff and serving each other, and uh, it's just a good experience. I think it's a good uh, experience to get away and uh just serve other people or just really don't. What do you get out of it? Like, I would say I get a, a perspective of, like, you know, the, the life we live here isn't, you know, what everybody else lives. Yeah. And so uh, kind of, it kind of humbles you, but at the same time, it kind of, uh, when you come back, you're just like, man, I don't have to stress about all these other things about, you know, if my car's going to run out of gas tomorrow because I forgot to get gas yesterday. Yeah. And there's a gas crisis. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, instead of instead of like stressing about the small things like that, just kind of just kind of reels it back into who we are. Like me as a Christian, you just kind of yeah. puts that into perspective of like what what's important, what's not. That's the biggest thing that, that I'm getting gotten out of it. Hunter, what do you go? Why do you go? Um, so my first time I went, I'm not gonna lie, I went because it seemed really cool, and I've never been out of the country, so I was like, hey, why not? You know, let's take a leap of faith and do it. Nice. And it's got beautiful scenery, so there's just so many cool things to go, reasons, you know, why I wanted to go. Pictures and stuff. Um, yeah, do it for the minimum. Get a blanket. So, we get there, and uh, a so, you realize quickly that, like Dragon said, you gain, like, a new perspective on, like, how America's just a, you know, it's big, but a, you know, small place, uh, a different place than a lot of different uh, places around the world, and... You know, I learned a lot about myself there and a lot about different cultures and, like, what they do and how they do things. 
and that they're different than us, but they still love God, and we have the opportunity to, you know, share with them the gospel if they don't know it. Like those kids in Yingisha that possibly have never, I mean, some of them may have, they had a church there, but they weren't like, is, they didn't have BBSs there before, before we got there. But like, there's so many different opportunities that you can get to do when you're over there, and things that you can take away and bring back to your own life, and, you know, change about yourself. Yeah. Zach, you've been quite a few times. Zach Cowart here with us today. Uh, yeah. Flowing Grizzly. <coughs> Flowing Grizzly Lock. I've only been to Ecuador once, but I've been to Guatemala three times. And so, for me, I enjoy, like, serving with in that aspect of things. Like, Shaco takes different mission trips uh, around, like, the camps that are here mm-hmm. near Alabama and some in Georgia, but I get the enjoyment of serving in a different aspect than just helping. Like uh, whenever we went to Guatemala, our main focus was uh, BBS and stuff, and it's crazy to see how much different uh, like kids that aren't from America's attitude toward BBS is. Because I feel like kids in America it's just another thing that they always do during the summer. Yeah. It's just a thing that, like, they're either forced to do or it's just not really different for them. But it's just kids, a normal part yeah, of life. Yeah, and kids in, like, Ecuador and Guatemala don't get that every every year. And so their excitement to be there and to learn yeah. is something that I like to see and have fun doing. And then, but whenever we go to, like, Ecuador, we do, like, one VBS, but then we're also there to work and, like... Uh, do like projects and help them build stuff around their campus to be able to further their mission. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun as well. Khalil, why would you say you go? Um, I mean, it's an interesting topic um, discussing missions and stuff like that. Um, and when you take a look at like um, the church and the body of Christ, you know, we all have our, our different roles that we kind of default to. Um, and I think I learned pretty early on that um, I like to serve people. Um, in high school, we were um, involved in like eight days of hope, um, like uh, disaster relief, um, that kind of stuff, rebuilding people's homes, uh, putting insulation up, cutting down trees, um, and it was it was a blessing to see um, the pain that something unexpected happened was slowly being lifted away. Yeah. Um, and so that I guess as part of the selfish kind of like looking at it. Um, that made me feel good. Um, but I think it over- developed over the years. Um, and now I feel like if I go on a mission trip, I'd give it my all so that when I go to bed that night, I don't think, oh, I could have done more. Like I left it all on the field. I left it all on the project. I left it all in that house that we tried to, you know, restore for somebody else to, to have somewhere to sleep. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's why I do it. That's kind of what I get out of it. Um, and other than that, just obedience, you know. Yeah, and I think for me, I stopped and I had a little advantage because I stopped and wrote down some notes over the course of the day today as I walked around just thinking about stuff of why. Like, why does Shaco? Oh, yeah, I'm going to be prepared. I never do anything unprepared. You could have texted us like a little bit, you know, not at 8 o'clock. I did. I did. You didn't heed the warning. It's not my fault. Um, But I got to think about why does Shaco take mission trips? Like, we're a nonprofit Christian organization ourselves with 
we are a mission in and of ourselves. And so I started reflecting on like, why do we do this? And we've been going for years. Um, we've, we've gone to Venezuela, we've been to Haiti and Ecuador. And why does Chago do that? Um, and I think for me, it's living out what God calls us to be the body of Christ. Like we're unified, like across borders, across cultures, across genders. It doesn't matter, we're one body. And when we go on those mission trips, it's just us showing the world that we are one body. It's what God calls us to be, to live out that lifestyle of unity. Um, And so for me, that was like the number one thing of of being unified. And I think it's so cool, like the stuff that I wrote down, um, some of the things you guys hit on, but Draven kind of said it broadened our perspective. Like it just opens your eyes to, like Zach said, the culture of those kids. It's completely different than the culture of the kids here. Um, I got to take Will and Leah the first time on a mission trip back in February when we went to Ecuador. And it was so cool to see their eyes opened to just, like, even the dogs on the street. Like, Will wants to stop and pet the dogs, but the, the, the guy that was with us, Jim's son, was like, no, it's just a street dog, man. Don't touch that dog. <laughs> like, you know, leave the street dog alone. But it was so funny just to watch those intricacies play out and see, see people learn. So I think there's that broadened perspective. Um, learning new skills. Like, I... Getting to go down and do construction projects and stuff, it's awesome. And to get to take part in something that's bigger and different than um, myself. Um, Meeting needs. That was another one I wrote down is to meet people's needs. Um, We've been partnering with with Hacienda El Refugio for, I guess, about five years now. Um, And getting to go down and do construction projects and getting them to come back up and meet with us. Has it been been five years? I think it's been five years. I think it's been almost five years we've been doing this. Um, so it's just really cool to get to see all that live out as the body of Christ. And then there's the, the side of it that I never really grasped until the first trip we took to Haiti. And when we went to Haiti, and I, I did it to Julio today on purpose because I had been processing it in my head. Oh, yeah. um, there's this song. And, and we just learned these songs because we were doing VBS in Haiti, and it was we bon, j'ai bon, and we would all stand around and sing that thing. That was good. But it, like, sticks in your head. And I walk up to Julio and just kind of whisper it in his ear, and he's like, you did it, man. Now it's stuck in my head again. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a, there's a memory that's associated to it. You know, you, you remember all the kids that were singing it with you and the translators, yeah. you know, and all the smiles. And so it's like, it brings back that, like, happiness, that joy that, like, you were there, you experienced it, and then all of a sudden it's, and then it's like stuck in my head. Yeah, stuck. It's just buried in there. Can you finish that thought, though? You keep stopping yourself. That song? Yeah, the rest of the song. Oh, I don't know the rest rest of the song. That's all you know? No, 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 no. That was it. The rest was in Haitian Creole. I have no clue. What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I was saying it. I think we need to get a Haitian in here to finish that. We probably should. But anyway, there is a camaraderie that develops in a mission trip that you're not going to get anywhere else. That's this true. past mission trip, Xari and I connected at a different spot because we're in a different culture, a different environment, away from all the normalcy of Shaco, and we got to hang out, and I got to know Xari like I would never have gotten to know Xari before because of this mission trip. Um, and so that's where I want to spend like the rest of a few minutes is just kind of talking through that camaraderie of fellowship that develops. Um, because for me, that's the like part of the huge benefit of going. Yeah, we get to, we broaden our perspective. We get to help other people. We get to tangibly be the hands and feet of Christ out working and serving. But man, you come back with a different relationship with the people that you went with. 
Um, and it's because of those intrinsic things that you do in a different environment creates that memory. Um, there's a, a quote from a, I don't watch a lot of Disney movies. Yeah, you do. Uh, well, I have a daughter, so I had to watch a lot of Disney movies. I don't. Let me say I don't like a lot of Disney movies. The only one that I really like is Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like Robin Williams' character, the genie in that. Um, but he has this quote in there where he says, pay attention to the special moments because they're the ones who create memories. If you stop and you think about your memories all pretty much come from like a special moment. And those special moments are when we're away from normalcy. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about some of the chaos or some of those fun times we've had in Ecuador. Um, keep it keep it straight. Um, Draven's, Draven's doing hand signals over here, but keep it PG. Um, but let's talk about some of those some of those things we've had. And Matt Coward has joined us. I'm here. Uh, Matt's here. He's over on the corner over here. So, who wants to share one of those crazy stories from Ecuador? Looks like they got something. I mean, I can start. It's not it's not necessarily crazy, but I think it was, it's just funny the way that it just kind of came about. Um, so, um, I have an old uh, deck of cards that I got from like uh, one of our Delta flights or something like that, and it ended up in my suitcase. And I think this might have been the second trip to Ecuador, maybe the first trip to Ecuador, and we had spent a day just up and down that mountain, um, moving a telephone pole and just logs, and we were just working on the low road section, and after dinner and after the Bible study that we had, we kind of sat down at the table, and I said, let me go get my cards, and I went, and I I took with me uh, a bag of chocolates, of assorted, like, chocolates, Hershey's chocolates, uh, Mr. Goodbar, Mm -hmm. um, Special Dark, Special Dark, Special K, that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. and and it kind of transformed into kind of like a poker night, where we were, you know, we assigned different uh, values to each little, like, uh, piece of chocolate, and it was, like, little bite-type ones. And uh, we just kind of spent, what was like, an hour or something like that, just, just playing back and forth, and... So I don't I don't remember how many Matt dominated. Yeah, Matt destroyed us. Until Casey coughed all over him. <laughs> <laughs> that was the trip where Casey coughed. I'd hope Casey would be here. Uh, Casey <laughs> caught some kind of disease while we were down there. Um, he had bloody yellow snot blowing out of all orifices of his nose. It was it, it, was, was, it was a range of colors. It was it was, it was quite he was sneezing at the table right in front of Nick oh, and Nick's just the, saying Dude. The funniest was when we sat down for breakfast that one of those mornings and they bring out these pitchers like with all this nice juice or whatever. And Casey wants some of this juice. Well, he's snotting and he's sick and then we kind of got him quarantined to himself so he's sitting at the table. <laughs> and he reaches over and grabs the juice, pours him a cup of juice and he pour, and he gets him a big swallow of that juice out. Well, he's got snot all over. You know his beard is. He's like got snot all in his beard and stuff. And he gets a big chug out of the glass and he puts the glass back on the table and he goes, hmm, that's not good. And he just poured it right back in the big, <laughs> right back in the big picture of everybody else's. Matt's just cringing. <laughs> Matt's over there. <laughs> Matt's just shaking in the corner like, no more juice for the week. No more juice. No more juice. But that, that, was, that was quite an experience. I'll, I'll share one from, from our Haiti trip, which was my first mission trip. Um, we went down and there were some summer staff that went with us. Um, and I don't remember their names, um, other than to, to say in Haitian Creole, it was Guotet, um, which means giant head. There were some, some guys that went with us. What were their names, Julio? Do you it remember? It was uh, Eric and Luis Velasquez. Yeah, Eric Velasquez. And Lu- it was Luis. Luis was there. So anyway, they were like really big dudes. Um, 
And when we went down there, I had to take, I went over to UAB because I was nervous about going. So I went to UAB to the travel clinic and they gave me all kinds of medicine. Like I had Tdap shots and all this stuff and all my, my shots and everything. Well, they gave me this anti-malaria medicine. Mm. Well, the anti-malaria medicine causes like super vivid dreams. Like that's one of the side effects of it. And I saw that and I didn't pay any attention to it. So before we left, I started taking this stuff. Do you have them? I don't have any more. You okay. can't have them. Um, so anyway, I've been taking these, these anti-malaria drugs. We get down there, and we went down right after there was a giant... Y'all remember the earthquake in Haiti, which caused all the, the mudslides and all that stuff? So we went down right after that for recovery. It was recovery. We were working at the orphanage. So in my head, I had these earthquakes in my head. We go in to sleep on the bunk beds. It's the first night. I get on the bottom bunk, and Velasquez kid gets oh, on the yeah. top bunk. Mm-hmm. They mess Middle of the night, I hit one of these malaria vivid dreams. Ooh. And the whole place is in the middle of an earthquake, and I'm up running out of the bed, scared to death, afraid the whole because he just rolled over up top bunk. He rolled over, and when big boy rolled over, the whole bunk wiggled. And when the whole bunk wiggled, I hit dream mode, and I was out of that place. Um, and Julio will probably remember the next night I moved to a room by myself. I pulled rank and said, I'm not sleeping in here with y'all anymore. I'm going to lock myself in my own safe. I house. think the crazy part about it is so it he didn't crazy. even move down, he stayed at the top, he bunk. stayed on the top bunk still. Yeah. That kid. It was quite hilarious. I know uh, just on my first Ecuador trip, you know, just I got the camaraderie and building relationships. I can remember. This could be good. This Matt, could be good, man. Matt, no <laughs> Matt got a good perspective. I was on the top bunk and, you know, we was. Uh, we got closer. <laughs> we got not in a weird way. You and Matt. But closer. I just remember, you know, you know, you talk about the relationships get better. What were you wearing? Yeah. Buddy? And um, there was just this crazy experience. What were you wearing, buddy? I can't talk about that. You just gonna say that and leave it at that? <laughs> I, don't say I just want to say. I mean, say that you were wearing something. At least I was wearing something. Okay, there we go. But, uh, yeah. But uh, it was it was good. Uh, the, I guess living in a room full of, uh, dudes. I guess we'd say about how six or seven of yeah. us in there, um, and literally, you know, the whole entire week, everybody's just exhausted, um, and it, it's really fun when you get to the point where you're so tired, you're in this weird state of everything is just funny, yes. and um, and so there's been times, especially in Nick Butler, uh, when we go to sleep, we all lay our heads down on the pillow and we're trying to get some rest, and you just hear like slight. Very light rain hitting the walls inside the room, and it's just Nick playing his uh, sound machine. Playing his sound machine, and uh, I can't talk about that story either. No, if if it went on inside that room, I don't know if I can. Well, I'll I'll pick up. Nick Butler like makes the trip when he goes. He does. But so my first trip I went on, I was the youngest by far. Probably like mm. at least your, ten what years. Was your first year? Did you ever get that girl's number? Twenty nineteen. So here, that's, <laughs> what that's what I'm talking about. You talking, talking about the flat attendant? So, no, it was that girl at that at that restaurant. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. Pasquale's. No, what no. was it? What is Pasquale's? <laughs> 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 no, because what was it? Uh, it started with a B. Is it B? Vincenti's or something? All right, that's not important. Let me tell you. We tried to set it. We tried to set. Let me tell the story. Okay. So like every night 
he would I try was getting, for it. I was getting picked on every night. I didn't care. It was funny because it was like it was all the guys. It was hilarious. So we laid down in bed. It was and like we every we, one of them. <laughs> we yeah, we're all in a room together. All nine or ten of us in that tiny room. And so yeah. we're all laying down, and every one of them be like, Hunter, you gonna get you one of these Ecuadorian chicks? And I'm like, no, we're on a mission trip. And they're like, oh, Hunter, come on. There's so many of them, dude. Just go find one. And so it was every day, dude. Every that was day. Your mission, and so like one of our last days, we go to this restaurant, man. <laughs> It wasn't like, Mancini's, that was it. There was a couple of a couple of, of our girl waitresses that were walking around. And I'd be getting him, <laughs> Nick, Carrie, every one of them just give me the eye of like looking at her, like telling me to go talk to this Ecuadorian chick. And I, then I, I, I and then we were ordering and Carrie was like the only one that barely ever said anything, bro. And he, we were up at the cash register and this chick walked right by me. And Carrie was trying to get me to get her number or something, like I could text her and call her. <laughs> I mean, it was Carrie, bro. Carrie don't do that. It was hilarious though, because it was the whole trip. Okay, but did you? No, no. no. Chicken out. Hey, scared. I didn't want to. So the moral of this story is that you were scared and you didn't. <laughs> what are you doing here? Why didn't you trust? Why didn't you trust Carrie's right. judgment? That's all I gotta say. I mean, he puts I things. He puts things together. Puts things together for a living. I think you should just trust him. Yeah. I, I think before we, we leave the Ecuador talk, I think we can't leave it without talking about Tina. Yeah, I, I kind of thought Matt might share Tina's story of how yeah. she she kind of originally joined the, the club and. Uh, well, to, I mean, we should name? preface it by saying Tina. Not really a girl. It's a dude. No, that's true. Boy. That is true. She's Tina a boy is a male llama. And uh, one of the cool things about uh, about the camp there is that they have llamas that are glorified grass cutters. Uh, you know, they they go around and keep the keep the grounds clean. And our first trip there, they had them out um, in in front of you know in front of the uh, dorms and you know accessible. Until one evening, um, one of our maintenance guys um, named Luke. Um, got a hold of a guitar and uh, channeled his inner Enrique Iglesias. And, um, and Luke's an aspiring guitarist too. He yeah, is. I mean, he's really he's decent. Yeah, he's decent. Aspiring is a uh, a good way to put it for sure. Yeah. It was it was a very beautiful rendition. I think Tina. Was it, was. it was. It was. Um, she looked really terrified. Um, and the only thing that was that was probably worse than that that it was outside of one of our hosts' uh, daughter's bedroom um, that were there. And, it was also um, like uh, realized at that point that you know they probably weren't happy with uh, with Luke serenading the llamas at you know ten o'clock at night or whatever time it was. So they they moved him off to a different part of campus. We didn't see him very much the rest of that first trip. Um, but yeah. What was, what was that Inglesia's song? What is it? It was a hero. Hero. Yeah. Hero. Yeah. 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 It was, if you want to see the video, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just track down Matt. Matt has the video right. on his yeah. phone. Yeah. He, he can uh, yeah. he can share that video with you of of Luke serenading the llama in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it it left an impact on the guests down there on the staff. Staff definitely remember us serenading the llama. That was that was an awesome trip. That was a good one between that and Christian. Oh, that's the Wi-Fi. That was the Wi-Fi trip. Oh, and the Wi-Fi. That was the Wi-Fi. He also was able to find drill bits in the bottom of the fourth floor. Yeah, um, of course he did. And really good at that. So, Christian, that was that was when he lost his Snapchat streak. Remember he had that streak going, and he lost. Also, Lord of the Lacquer. Yep, he did qualify as Lord of the Lacquer because he was so good at putting that lacquer on those boards. What about what about Hunter's uh, Bowie knife? 
All right, so I'll just continue. So this has happened twice, actually. Um, the first time it happened, it might have been my first trip. I can't even remember. So I have, like, this big Bear Grylls, like, orange buck knife had. Had this big Bear Grylls orange buck knife. And I had it in my bag. Bear Grylls orange buck knife. Who wouldn't want to bring a knife to Ecuador when you're in the woods? So I brought a knife. Because they don't have And I used it. I even used it a couple times. Like, I didn't just bring it. Were you, like, chopping down? So I left it in my backpack, my carry-on. And so I, I go through the airport security and everything. I take everything off. I put it in there. And I'm coming around to put my shoes on and grab all my passports and all that. And this lady's like, no. She just says no. And I'm like, what? She says, you have, she says, you have a knife. I said, what? And she said, you have a knife in your backpack. And I said, and at that point, it hit me that I had a knife in my backpack. And it wasn't the small one. It was the big one. And so I said, big knife or small knife? She goes, big. Big knife. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, crap. So she starts unzipping my backpack, and I have this massive blanket I just bought, like rolled up in there. She unrolls my whole blanket. I was like, no, nah, it's not in there. I'm not trying to hide a knife. And so I unzip this top part, and there it is, this big, nice knife. I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So she says, all right. And she's trying to get me to give it to her, and I said, I'm going to have to throw it away, aren't I? She's just like shaking her head, yes. And so I said, okay. So she goes and tosses it in the trash can with a bunch of other valuable items that people Forgot big, to take big out. Clear cylinder. I mean, yeah. they're, they're showing them all. Yeah. Yes. I wonder where they And at that point, I forgot to mention everybody had left me to go through the other check in spot, except for Nick, who was gladly waiting for me. And she took my passport and walked throughout the, throughout the airport. And I'm just looking at Nick, and he's like, like getting mad at me for waiting. He didn't know what happened. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. She just took off. I don't know where my passport's at. And she was I was waiting there probably two minutes. She came back, gave it to me. So I probably got some little check mark about bringing a knife on a trying to bring a knife on a plane. But then, <clears throat> you were this here this last time. I don't remember if it was in Atlanta. Or, no, no. It was when we got to Ecuador. It was when we got to Ecuador. I had a smaller little, uh, like a case knife or something in there. It was a multi-tool. That's what it was. I had a multi-tool in there, so I wasn't trying to kill nobody with it. I was trying to have a tool. <laughs> but you were but the, you were the first time. <laughs> you were the first time. <laughs> yeah. So I had a multi-tool. Again, I mean, they, they stopped me for the multi-tool again, and I felt stupid about that one too, but it was deep in the bowels of my backpack. I had no idea it was in there. I mean, those those things are pretty dangerous, but there's nothing more dangerous than an air plant in a bottle. Uh, mm. I was about to say, Alan, <laughs> I, I forgot about Alan. Alan, tell us your story. Tell us your story, line. Alan, about what may, have, may or may not have happened with fever. I mean, like, sneaking things through TSA. Well, um, the last day we were in Ecuador, uh, we kind of had, like, a free day. We were just walking around the trails and uh, checking out some <laughs> places on campus we'd been at throughout the week. And I think the day I found it, I was with Casey, and he was looking at these little plants that are apparently called air plants, which I think is kind of like a succulent or yeah. something, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I don't know how I know that. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't they look pretty cool, and we we looked it up because we wanted to see if we can bring them back, and we found out like they, they could live um, in the States if you, I guess if you gave them enough water, because it's kind of like a rainforest over there. Um, and so... Uh, we ended up looking, we, we uh, pulled them out of the ground and put them in, uh, I guess, some cups with some dirt. And we looked up the day before we were going on a plane, and it said, I don't remember what exactly the TSA guidelines said, but long story short, we thought we had read that it is legal to take them back 
and that it shouldn't be a problem. And like there were like seven people at this point who had airplanes <laughs> yes, on, on their body or on their person going through the airport. And I thought, well, it said it was legal. If they ask, there should be no reason to lie about a legal plant that is on your person. And so you go through. We had already gone through Ecuador. Well, well, first off, I had one of these big. Uh, I guess was it? It was like uh, a Nalgene. Yeah, I guess so. But it was kind of like me- metal. Kind of. So it was like this pretty hefty water bottle, and um, and you were hiding so, it in there. Well, I you didn't. Were I didn't. I did I didn't want my airplane to get damaged. Oh. <laughs> so I wrapped it in some wet paper towels and put it in my empty water bottle. <laughs> and uh, we made it all the way through Ecuador. Our plane left at like midnight that night. We got to Atlanta at four thirty or five in the morning. I couldn't sleep because I got sick on the plane. So I had like ten minutes to sleep the night before. <clears throat> We were trying to get um, through security, I guess, through Atlanta. They're coming back in there. They're asking, you have any food? What do you bring back? Do you have any, I think they asked, like, do you have any powders or any liquids? And then they asked uh, foods and plants. And I said, well, I do have a plant, but we looked it up, and apparently it's legal. It's not legal to bring plants. <laughs> so, so at uh, 5 in the morning in Atlanta on about 20 minutes of sleep, I got taken to the bottom of Atlanta got airport, detained. got detained, uh, got, all my, got all my baggage questioned, got, got cussed out by an angry security <laughs> officer at the airport, um, How dare you? questioned a lot of my life decisions, and... Um, Everybody else got through without them. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're all standing around waiting on where is out with, with their airplanes. <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, luckily, after like forty-five minutes of uh, being behind the behind the wall, the they let me out behind enemy lines. I got let out uh, with one less airplane than I brought with me. I got a picture of him in the line and I took it and everybody yelled at me like, no, don't take that picture. But I got a sweet picture of Alan in line just looking all sad. So basically you and Hunter are on TSA's most wanted list. So. Nah, I think apparently the one who would qualify for that would be Julio. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only been a couple of trips I've been to Hul- with Julio where he's just kind of walked back in the U.S. Usually he gets, <laughs> he, gets he gets straight up detained in the back, checking everything. Like it's orifices. always it's spread eagle. You know? yeah. If you think about it, they gonna check if you all think about it, like, of it. Like one of those movies, uh, like that, uh, it has an airplane scene where like the line like splits into two, and you're the first person that has to go through this other line, or like the. The agent changes, and it's a, the harder person who asks you all the questions. Mm. It's like that every time that I go through. <laughs> every time. It's like, yeah. I was like, oh, you, okay, this, go all the long way around. Okay, shift changes. This big guy asks you, like, a whole list of questions, and, and then one time I, Julio I got brought deta- back. I got brought detained back. for bringing back an airline sandwich into the airport. <laughs> 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 they gave, it, they gave him the sandwich in the airport. I wasn't hungry in the plane, so I was like, oh, I'm going to put it in my backpack. So I got out and I didn't have time to, you know, go throw it away. So when I got up to the lady, she said, hey, do you have anything to claim? And I said, I mean, but this is after like an hour of waiting in the line, by the way, <laughs> because I got marked no. So you know, I didn't yeah. ask questions. <laughs> always to get that. Yeah. So this was after an hour of waiting in line. So then I finally get to that, to like the agent or whatever. She asked me if I had anything to report. And I said, well, I said, I kept the in-flight meal from the plane. And I guess they don't fly very often because she didn't know what I was talking about. And so I showed her the sandwich, and she goes, oh, okay. 
But when she said okay, she was putting my documents in this little green clear <laughs> and had already flagged someone down to go take me to the special line. You've been down. And the special line. But she, she, but she remained calm. She remained friendly. And then she said, okay, follow this person and just passes it's my documents along. So at this point, I was like, so I can't leave without my documents because that would be suspicious. So I followed the lady. She took me to the other line. Then she handed my documents to someone else and that person told me to like just wait there so then it was another hour and a half for me to just get to the the person i guess processing all of like the different claims i think i was at starbucks by then and the guy said looked at me and he says what do you have to claim and i said honestly i have no idea i just have this sandwich and the guy (laughs) gave me the most disappointed look in his life and said Get out of my sight. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just proceeded to walk out the other door with my head down, just like, you know, dejected. Just crazy. Out the special door. Imagine you, you <laughs> thought it was going to be So, okay Alan, Alan you kind of talked day. about how you didn't get any sleep uh, on the way back from Ecuador. I just want to kind of go back to that and circle it's a quick back to that. Um, I can remember not getting any sleep either on the way back. I, I, I got lucky, though, with my seating arrangements. I was stuck between, uh, we were all sweating, so when I say this, <laughs> when I say this, just know, just, I'm trying to give you visual context. Julio, I think it was either, so I'm in between a sweating Julio Gun- Gonzalez, and on the other side of me is a sweating Luke Burkhalter. <laughs> and when I tell Big you, boys. I was in a crock pot of human flesh. I think that. I'm not saying yeah, I'm burst. sure he felt the same way. I, all I know, man, is I was receiving more heat than I was emitting. So <laughs> hey. I, I couldn't sleep. Bro, so speaking of I'm sure you weren't sure innocent in that. You were on my shoulder, bro. Oh, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you sleep on your shoulder? Yeah, bro. Hey, bro. So my first plane ride back. Him. My first plane ride back. I rode back with Carrie and Ricky, and I was on the outside. And Ricky was in the middle, and Carrie was on the inside. Ricky fit. It was about. <laughs> it was about two. Listen, it was about two a.m. Ricky had demolished the plane through the ticket. I'm sitting there laid back. The first time, the only time I'd ever gotten a little bit of sleep on a plane, I was nodding off. Next thing I know, Ricky slapped me on the chest <laughs> hard, bro. Woke me up. I was like, "What's up?" He just pointed. <laughs> he told me to get up. I get up. I get up, bro. He got to that back bathroom. I'm not sure. He was there for an hour, bro. He didn't come out. I sat back down. Carrie, I looked at Carrie. He goes, I don't know. He said, I guess he had to go. Carrie just with that. Ricky got back. He was so much better mood. He said, I'm good, man. I'm sorry about that. Oh, man. All right, Zach. He said you had a story, Zach. Not really now. <laughs> Not now. Not one comfortable. Not now. Nah. Zari, you got anything you want to share over there? <laughs> um, Better get closer. No, I'm just kidding. Unless you want to yell. Took a lot of pictures. No, Picked up our flowers. I'm good. You think you're good? <laughs> All right, Matt, we started off the, the podcast and, and discussing and talking about why we go on mission trips. And so we kind of shared a little bit. I had some thoughts and stuff. Um, as kind of that missions coordinator... Who coordinates all that stuff? You and Blair do an awesome job with that. And kind of the purpose of this podcast is to kind of just share how much fun it is to go on the mission trips and be a part of that. Even Christian with the Wi-Fi, like it's awesome to get to go do those things. But I'd be curious, like what's like what's your motivation in, in 
pursuing mission trips and all that? What's good reasons people should go on mission trips? Yeah, I think one of the things that's always stuck out to me um, is, uh, you know, how we look at, you know, 2,500 miles away, things have got to be so different. But to realize that we're all working together for the same uh, same motivation to share Christ, to make much of Jesus, um, and to, you know, to do that, to encourage one another, um, to, to be able to, to build those relationships with people that are um, a lot like us, but live in, in very different communities, and to be able to do that, and to, to experience stuff outside of our culture, um, but also to realize that a lot of those things can be done, can be done here. So I always go there, and, um, you know, I'm... I come back feeling like I'm more blessed than, than I've been a blessing there, um, yeah. but but it's always always been a, a really good experience, especially in Ecuador, um, to be able to see, you know, Casey climbing a tree um, and and using the skills that he has has learned here to build ropes courses, to see Kerry um, uh, welding stairs and know that those stairs are going to be in a discipleship house that houses students from um, from the U.S., also from you know a lot of South American countries. And to know the impact that that uh, that just that house is going to have, you know, to know where the the windows came from, to know where all of the uh, the stain that was put on those things, you know, came from, and what what those things are going to see is kind of a, a cool thing. Uh, we've also had the opportunity to help do things like it, expand their their internet, and be able to you know help them save money in places that they didn't realize they could, and, and to be able to do more with. Uh, with the money that's been provided um, for their ministry there, so that that's been a cool um, cool aspect of that. And then you know just the relationships of you know things that uh, that you wouldn't think of. I, I was reading in a uh, in a different Bible study last week, and it started talking about cairns and started talking about the stacking of rocks and what that means um, on trails and and different things like that. And that's exactly what the Bible study was that we did this past trip. And it made me just think, hey, I got a friend in, in South America that I can reach out to and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. I know the things that you guys are going through, and, and God laid you on my heart today. And so just to be able to, even though they're that, that far away, to have that relationship, to know that they're constantly in prayer for us and that, that God gives us reminders of them to pray for them and to, to thank, uh, thank him that we have those relationships is, is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with that, man. The, the friendship and that camaraderie, between our staff and the staff of Hacienda is is mm. so cool, man. Like Donnie and Jim and Kati and the the whole family, Susie, all of them. Like I feel like they're family. Like yeah. Jim and I text each other pretty regular. We've got this quote unquote pen pal friendship where I write a letter, he writes a letter, we send them back and forth. Um, it's just cool, man. Just to to have that friendship. And when I think about it, I want to end with some scripture real quick and and digest scripture. So like. Y'all listen, grab your Bible if you want to, and, and kind of read along. Um, but from Romans chapter 15, we're going to read, the I guess, the first probably seven verses, and then just kind of chat our way through it. Um, and if you want to put the pickles up, that'd be fine with me. <laughs> like, for just like a minute. No, just for a minute. Um, Romans chapter 15 says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ himself did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who fell, who, who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance 
and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And this is the part that kind of reminds me of those mission trips. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How, how does that play into the, your salvation? How does, how does mission trips play into being the body of Christ? Um, I want to share something I think that's really cool about Shaco is that um, <clears throat> with that, you know, part of the mission field is that when you do, like I've done a lot of local mission trips uh, with mine at Dragon's Church and I did two here with our like sister camps. Um, but when you do that, you, you're usually at churches or camps that are kind of on the lower budget side of things. And when you help with them, you know, you're, you're doing projects that are going to be, have a better foundation for the church or helping the people. And so I think what's really cool about Shaco is that aside from our volunteers in the off season, we don't really have people who are here to do that for our facility. You know, we have people on campus who are bettering our facility, bettering our people, bettering the things that we have. And so, you know, like with that verse, I think, <clears throat> especially if you're instituted into Shaco, kind of like we were when we started out here, when you serve and with those communities and with those churches that are kind of on the lower end um, you come back and you see what you're provided with, uh, how blessed you are, how fortunate you are. And so I think, I kind of just think, you know, it builds your personal salvation that you have with Christ, but at the same time, you, when you build community with them, the relationship that you build with them builds your own. You know, yeah. you see the value of having Christ in yourself when you can see it in somebody else. Do you ever do you ever process and, and Matt's use this thing of, of we're just like temporary stewards of stuff mm-hmm. and like God's given each of us in this room or each of us listening or whatever <clears throat> certain gifts and skills and talents and you can go back to the parable of the talents and what do you do with them but like God's blessed us with lots of stuff um, last year at Shaka was really interesting because it was COVID and it was <coughs> no guest awful year we didn't get to take mission trips. But through that process, we were able to take the money we had set aside for mission trips and be able to send it down to Ecuador to those guys, just send cash down to them. Um, And to get to talk to Jim and Susie through that process, there's a big deal to stewardship. There's a big deal to it. Because it's easy to take those things that you're given, internalize them, and use them for yourself. But it takes something completely different. It takes something unworldly to take what you've given and just cash it in for somebody else, somebody else. Mm-hmm. you know and and that that scripture it says <coughs> Romans chapter 15 the little subheading in there is the example of Christ um, and you may not even realize it but as, as student staff and employees of Shaco that's what you get to do every day you just happen to get paid for it mm-hmm. you know what I mean um, it's truly living out that example of Christ and I I think that's why that that scripture just I don't know, it hammers me a lot because it says we who are strong have an obligation. Hmm. Uh, here in the U.S., here at Shaco, here in our local churches, I mean, we have it. We, have, we live a culture, we live a life of abundance. Scripture tells us we're obligated. We're obligated to give and to share and to, to bear those things out with the people, with everyone else. And so I think it's important for us to to see mission trips not as just this camaraderie, not just this fellowship, mm-hmm. not as just, hey, we're going to build a building or we're going to build some ropes course. 
But this is us taking the gifts and everything that God's given us and filtering it back out to the world around us. Like it's part of what it means to be a disciple. Yeah, I think, I mean, the what you were talking about, the, the uh, passage in Romans, uh, you know, one mind, one body, one spirit. Yeah. Uh, the the mission, the missions that we do go on locally or um, internationally, you kind of get to connect with other other Christians, um, and so the same spirit that lives in us, and the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave, um, is the same spirit that lives in them. And yeah. so the fact that there is unity and there is one mind, there is one body, there's one mission, there's one goal, there's one God, there's one heaven. There's yeah. you know there's so many there's a oneness in it. And it's so encouraging. And, you know, you often hear stories about how there are people, you know, who are oppressed and were persecuted because of their Christian beliefs in um, other countries like, you know, in China, where it's illegal to be a Christian. And there are, you know, thousands and thousands of Chinese men and women who don't even know that the gospel has even reached other nations. Um, Yeah, I read a story about that one time in a book called Insanity of God, but... uh, but the, I mean, there's the fact that the world is being reached with the gospel, and the fact that there are Christians on every continent, and that uh, God is accomplishing that uh, His will in taking it to the nations. I had one of the most eye-opening. It, it was really strange. I came back up to Shaco. A couple, it's been probably a, I don't know two months ago. Anel Rabanne, State Board of Missions missionary, had a conference here for Hispanic pastors, um, and their goal was to bring Hispanic pastors into Shaco do some training and stuff, and then to send them out as missionaries. They were recruiting missionary, Hispanic missionaries to go out into the world, not like back to South America, but to go to India and to go to Pakistan and to go to like all these Middle Eastern countries and stuff with the Hispanic gospel because of the Hispanic people that are in those countries. And it never, it never crossed my mind that, that that Hispanic culture would come through the U.S. to get training to go out that direction. It was just mind-boggling, but... As I was standing there getting to talk to him and hanging out with him and talking about it, and he said their goal for the for the conference was to have like two missionaries <coughs> recruited. It was the first night, and like five families had already signed up to be missionaries and to take off and go, and it was just mind-blowing. Um, but I got to go in and talk to him, and this is one of those moments when, like, I don't really, if you know me and you ask my family, I don't cry. I don't get emotional. I can't stand a tear. My staff will tell you if you come in my office crying, you probably just best walk back out, grab your composure, and come back in again, and let's talk level-headed. That's just the way I'm wired. It came from my dad. I'm just built that way. Um, but as I went in, I, he asked me to bring greetings to the group. And so I went in, and I got to, to stop and greet the group and talk to them and all. And as I'm walking back out, he said, come back, come back, come back, come back. They want to pray with you. And so they came up one by one, like leaders amongst those people came up, and they prayed in, I think it was Spanish, I'm sure it was Spanish because I caught like every fifth word. Um, (laughs) But they came back up, and they prayed over me in Spanish, and then they prayed for my family, they prayed for my kids, they prayed for Shaco, they prayed for our staff. And as they started to pray, it was almost like I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I could feel what they were saying. And it was like just tears just started rolling out of my eyes. And it was just the strangest, most weird God moment that there is this weird unity in the body that you don't, you just take for granted that's there. But when you get in those other cultures and you see and you hang out with, with Kati and, and Dan, Dan especially this last time we were down there, like seeing my kids play with their kids and there's this unity and it's all this unity in Christ. It's not unified because we're not the same. We don't speak the same language. Donnie, Donnie speaks the good broken English. Mean, 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 mean. 
but there's this unity that you take for granted. But there is a unity in Christ. And I think that, for me, is what... I mean, that's what mission trips are about. It's like really tangibly being the hands and feet of Christ as we're out in the world. Anything else you guys have to add? Zach's got this awesome blank look. Anna ate all her pickles. Well, she hasn't started. She's already got quiet. She gave a Chases out. She gave everybody in the audience a pickle. Yeah, about midway through, she started handing out pickles. Got, got me so sidetracked because I wanted one of the pickles, but now they're all gone. I can't have one. All right. They're classic. Well, thank you guys for listening. Have fun. Um, we'll catch you on the rebound. I'll see if I can get that audio from the uh, Enrique Iglesias. How do you say that? Iglesias? That was good. Enrique Iglesias. Iglesias. Uh, anyway, we'll get that on here on this show here. Los we'll close out. We'll close out with the audio from that. Yo mirando. Los Thank <laughs> you.